Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Well, good morning, everybody. Hi, Matt. Good morning, everybody. I got a few. All right. Hello. Um, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy New Year. They gave me the, uh, the last Sunday of 2019, so I'm going to be doing a, a New Year's resolution sermon. Um, and I'm actually, I'm actually not a big New Year's resolution person personally, but it makes sense to me, right? It's a kind of a natural break in time. You know, how's my last year been? What do I want to change for next year kind of thing? So um, I felt like it really fit for what the Lord wanted to say to us this morning was just this idea that I actually think the Lord wants to, wants to give us a, a New Year's resolution to consider, something for us to think about for this next year, something to change or, or to grow in, okay? So um, if, you're, if you have paper Bibles or you want to read along with me, check out Ephesians 4, Go flip to Ephesians 4, and you can put a thumb on Revelation chapter 2 as well if you'd like. But where I'm going to start from, this is, this is kind of the, the whole sermon right here. This, I think this is the Lord's New Year's resolution. Here's, here's Paul urging the Ephesians church. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I think God wants us to consider for this coming year, how are we walking? Is, is the way we're living worthy of the calling that we've been called to? Which is a big topic. Um, now, I want to give a, a, a bit of a disclaimer. Some of you may feel like, well, I'm called to be a police officer, or I'm called to be a, a teacher, or I'm called to work in business. I don't, I don't actually think that's the calling that's in view here. So it's, it's, if you're somebody in the crowd who has no idea what you're called to, you know how we say, well, I'm called to do this. If you have no idea what that is, I, I don't think you're excluded here. Don't worry. I, I think this is a more generalized calling that we're talking about. He's, he's urging us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling to be children of God. It's bigger picture, okay? And if you have no idea what that means, um, I want you to know you're welcome here as well. I want you to know that I'm going to try and do my best to bring you in on what that looks like. But some of you may already kind of have the whole sermon in your head right now of, am I walking like a child of God? And is there more for me in this coming year? That's what we're going to get at. But whether you're new to that or whether you have a great idea of what it means to be a child of God, I want to spend some time just expounding, just looking at what it really means. What, what is this calling that God is urging us to walk in a manner worthy of? Okay, are you with me? So, um, in the actual Ephesians 4.1 verse, this is a bit of a paraphrase. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk. And this is a Bible reading tip, okay? So if you're taking notes, here's a little pro tip for you. When you see a therefore, you have to ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Did you catch that? What is the therefore, therefore? So in other words, he's saying, I therefore urge you to do this, but he's saying it's in light of everything I've just said. So you can't just snip this one verse and catch what he's saying. You've got to go to the context, right? So we're going to do that. We're going to take a look from Ephesians 3.14 all the way to 4.3. So um, again, if you have your Bibles, that's Ephesians 3.14. And what we're reading, I mentioned a brief context before. This is somebody writing to a church. If you were living in Ephesus, you were an Ephesian. This is a letter to Ephesians. And, and the author is praying for them. That's the context we're about to read in. He's, he's praying this prayer for them. Now, I, I really want us to enter into this because it's beyond a history lesson. Here's what I mean by that. We're not just going to educate ourselves this morning of something that Paul prayed for some people 2,000 years ago. I want to suggest to you, I want to keep this really simple, that if Paul wanted this for them, does God want this for us? 
Anybody? Yeah. Let's keep it really simple. So, now that, that's not necessarily, I just want to also say that sometimes Paul's writing to some pretty specific circumstances where you have to understand context. But in this case, we're talking about that big picture calling. I think this applies to all Christians. This is for us today. So here's what Paul's praying, and I believe what God is praying for us. And we're going to read this with the question in our mind, what is this calling that we are to be walking in a manner worthy of? Okay. So let's go ahead. It says, here's Paul praying. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in, he- in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now let's pause. Paul's praying for this church, and he's praying to keep it simple. He's praying that they would have strength, but he's not just saying, I hope you get through, is he? He's not just saying, I hope you, I hope you make it. In fact, he's not even just, I don't even think he's saying, I hope you have a lot of strength. I hope you thrive. He's, the measure of strength that he's praying that they would be strengthened by is pretty big. He says it's according to the, the riches of his glory. This is the God from whom every family and on heaven and on earth is named. It's according to the riches of that God's glory that I pray you would be strengthened. And it's with strength in your inner being. I loved what Matt did in a sermon a few weeks ago. I think he called them affirmations. And it's just something that you can just take as a a little conclusion, a little nugget for you to take home, rather than just firing through and hoping you get something out of this. Maybe we can say about this calling that we're to walk in a manner worthy of, maybe we could say this, is that we're called to rely on a strength according to God Almighty's glory in our inner being. Did you catch that? Here's our calling. We're called to rely on a strength according to God's almighty glory that's in our inner being. That's our first affirmation from Paul's prayer, okay? Let's keep reading. He explains why he's praying that they're going to be strengthened. He says, it's so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now let's pause again. It's so that Christ himself, not metaphorically, but Christ himself could literally dwell in our hearts through faith. Maybe you could say this about yourself. I want you to insert yourself in this. This isn't just Paul for the Ephesians. It's God for us. Maybe maybe we are called to have Christ himself dwelling in the core of our being. Wow, that's something. Let's keep going. He, he, He explains this in a few other ways. He's praying that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now let's pause again. Maybe we're called, I, I love this. He's praying that they would be, they would know this love that, that anchors them. It roots them and grounds them in their lives. And he's calling them, he, he, he's praying that they would know this love that, that's just too big to really know. It, it says that it it's surpasses knowledge. This love is too big to be known just intellectually. There's something really big that he's praying that they would catch. And, and, and it's, absolutely amazing. And this is something that God is actually praying for for us. There's something so big, it's, it goes beyond just an intellectual knowing, but it changes our inner being. And God's praying for us that we would know this. I love this. I, 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 here's another affirmation of our calling. It's, I think we're called to wonder. That's a verb. Called to wonder at how big God's love is. And to be grounded in a love that is too big to be known purely intellectually. Isn't that amazing? Let me say that again. We're called to wonder and to be grounded in a love that is too big to be known purely intellectually. Now we're kind of getting a sense of this calling. Now there's one more phrase here. It's, I'm just going to conclude this. It says that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's Paul's last reason that he's praying that they would be strengthened. 
That's amazing to me. He's praying that they would be filled with all the fullness of God. Unbelievable. Like, I, I think I want to remind us that I'm keeping this really simple, that Paul is praying this for them, and that's for us too. But even beyond that, is Paul praying for this church for something that they can't do? Is he praying this for them knowing that it actually is impossible? Let's keep this simple. He, he, he's praying for something that, that's actually real. What would it look like for you, for me, to, to know that God wanted us to fill, or sorry, he wanted to fill us with the fullness of him? Whoa. Now that's a calling. That's, that's amazing to me. Let's keep reading. I want to get us all the way up to four, chapter 4, verse 1. So he's concluded his prayer. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And in your Bibles, that's where chapter 3 ends. And now he says, I therefore, in light of this prayer, in light of this calling that I've just shown you that I'm praying for you, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Does that, does that, that really helps us get a better sense of that verse, doesn't it? When you slow down and realize all that Paul had in mind when he's saying, I urge you to walk in a way that's worthy of this. That's something amazing. Now, I want to spend a little bit more time just talking about this calling, and I'm going to, I told you to put a thumb on Revelation chapter 2, and this is a bit of an interesting way to describe our calling, but I felt really led this week to, to use this verse to, to help illustrate to us our calling, who we're called to be, what we're called to live in. So it's Revelation chapter 2 verse 17 is what I'm going to take you to, if you want to flip there. Revelation chapter 2 verse 17. A little bit of context rather than just snipping this out of there. In Revelation, in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus writes seven letters to seven different churches. Each of these churches is in a different scenario. We're reading the conclusion of his letter to the church in a place called, um, I always get this wrong, it's uh, uh, Pergamum, Pergamum. I always say that weird. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But so, he writes seven letters. Each of them are in seven different situations. Some of these churches he encourages. Some of them he corrects and rebukes. There's a variety of scenarios. But in every letter, he concludes with the phrase, to the one who conquers. So no matter what situation they were in, whether good or bad, there's a challenge before each of them. He says, but it's to the one who conquers. Even if he's encouraging them and comforting them, I want you to know, keep going. It's to the one who conquers that's going to get this reward. And in every, all seven letters, there's a different reward described. And I'm struck by the reward that's described to the church in Pergamum. Here's what he says to the one who conquers, in, in the second sentence here, to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Now, this spoke to me volumes about who I must be. This spoke to me volumes about the calling that I have, that I think God is urging me to walk in a manner worthy of. That if I really got, had a sense in my life that one day I could share a name with God that no one knew except him and me. Isn't that something? Act, it, it's not for any other eyes. It's between you and him. God wants to, you're, you're, like, does that not speak to you that you are intentional? That you actually matter to God? He wants to share something with you that no one, that's not for anybody else. Yeah, it's kind of like you're in God's inner secret. And I, I guarantee you this name that's on that stone, by the way, is, is not just some kind of random generator name. You know, that's actually, it's not just like a, 
You know those websites like pick a username or something? It's, it's, it's meaningful. God knows you. You're seen. And, I, and it speaks volumes to me about how I want to live my life. If I was to live realizing that one day God wants to share something between he and I that it's not for anybody else, that's really meaningful to me. So I, I, I just heard God urging us to walk in light of this calling, walk in a manner worthy of these things. And some of you may be here this morning and just feeling like, you know, it's nice to describe our calling in, in these big poetic ways and, you know, the fullness of God and being strengthened with a love that's too big to know. And, and, and you may just feel like, I want to talk to us next about why God is urging us this way. And you may have this sense this morning of like, okay, I'm supposed to be, you know, walking this out better. You know, you're kind of like skipping to the end where you really feel like I'm supposed to be living more worthy of what God's called me to. You know, I can't do it. Read my Bible more, pray more, go home. Thank God he forgives me. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like, like I, 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 I want you to catch this because I really believe that the reason God is urging us in this way is not to remind us of some kind of guilt and shame. It's not to emphasize to us that we could never live worthy of his calling. I, I really believe that this calling is fulfilled in Christ and that the reason he's actually urging us this way, first of all, or at least part of it is for our sake. Now, that may have caught you off guard. You might, you might think that God's just kind of urging us to live better and live more godly, and it's, it's for some kind of outward cause. But I really believe that God wants us to live more worthy of our calling because he loves us. Let me show you this. Let me back up into Ephesians 3. Excuse me, Ephesians 4. He's, he says that after he urges them, here's how he describes what it looks like. He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that which, to which you've been called with all humility. Here's how he describes what it would look like. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, do you not think that God as a father could see how it would benefit us if we had more humility in our lives? Would you have more peace in your life if you had more humility and more patience? If you were better at being gentle in times when it was difficult to? If you were better at bearing with one another in love. How many of you guys know that it's challenging to bear with people sometimes? How many of you know that for us it would be better if we, if we had a greater strength in us to, to bear with people and, to, and we had an eagerness to maintain unity? You know, we weren't, we weren't in pain and ready to throw in the towel. I believe that God's urging us to see our calling and walk in a manner worthy of it because it's better for you. Not just, he's, not just putting, he's not just setting you some kind of a standard that you could never live up to and, and trying to remind you that you can't do it. I, I really believe this is possible. Let me say it again, that I don't think Paul would have been praying this for the church. I don't think God is praying this for us if it's not actually possible. Paul's not that kind of guy. I don't believe God's that kind of guy. Now, there is, a, there is obviously a two-way street in this. I, I think God wants this for us because he loves you. I think we miss that. I wanted to emphasize that strongly. But the other thing is that if we think about it, he's urging us to walk this out, to, to walk in a manner worthy of that child of God calling because people benefit when we're more humble. People benefit when we're more patient, when we're more gentle, when we're better at bearing with one another when it's difficult. Does that make sense? People start to see Jesus as we live that out more. I want you to I, 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 there's a beautiful tie here with this Revelation 2.17 verse, because I told you that every church that Jesus wrote a letter to in Revelation 2 and 3, he, he, he concluded with, to the one who conquers. 
All of these churches had a mission. that were here with a purpose. In 2 Corinthians 5, it calls us ambassadors for Christ. And I, I want you to see a tie between God's calling for us to walk in a manner more worthy because He loves us, because there's a beauty there for us, but also because it's, that's what I believe it looks like to conquer. I want you to see a tie here. For us to walk and live more and more worthy of that calling, to see who we are in Christ, to live like Jesus, that's what it's going to mean to overcome. Now, I, wanna, I, I understand that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and keep it short today, and I'd love to explain more of what it means to conquer And I don't have the time, I think, to do that today, but I want to give you some food for thought before I do. Um, If you're asking the question, what does it mean to conquer? Because let's keep in mind here, this letter to the churches, Jesus is writing to Christians, but he concludes with to the one who does. So it's not all Christians that are going to get this white stone. I'm not saying that it's, don't make this a heaven, hell, salvation thing. That's not really what I believe is in view. I think he's saying that it's to the Christians who conquer, there's something in place for you. There's a reward for you. Now, Jesus conquered two things for us already. We're not conquering sin and death personally. I'm just going to give you some notes on what it means to conquer, and hopefully this sparks a train of thought that we can carry into our New Year's resolution. But we're not conquering sin and death in our lives, though that victory has been won for us. But what's interesting is that even though Jesus has won that fight for us, um, we have the ability to walk out um, victory over those things. We have the ability to look more and more like him. That wasn't possible without Jesus securing that victory for us, but somehow sometimes we don't choose to. Does that make sense? Sometimes, let me, show, let, me show you to it this, let me show it to you this way. Jesus said the greatest command is to love God with all that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. So, He's given us this ability to know Him and to love Him above all else. He's, he's beat what kept us from that, sin and death. Yet sometimes in our lives, we love other things a lot more. Does that make sense? Sometimes we start to live for other reasons, even though we have the possibility of living for Him above all else. I really believe to the one who conquers is the one who starts, who keeps growing in, in His identity and, and growing and looking more like Jesus because you love him above all else. I believe that's the conquering that's, above each, that's before each of us, before every church. He's won that battle, but do you want to walk in that victory with him? Does that make sense? Walking in a manner worthy of your calling, living like you see who you are in him, living like you believe you're that loved and you're that worthy, that's what's going to mean to conquer in your life. So, the question for each of us, I, I, can't, I, I can't get specific in this, but the question for each of us that I felt God calling us to reflect on was, am I, am, am I living my life in a way that's worthy of this call? Worthy of a call that's going to be like, I can share something with God eternally between He and I. Worthy of a call to... to <laughs> Jesus didn't just die for your sin, He died for you. Worthy of a call where Jesus would say, there's something in you that I died for. Worthy of a call to be rooted and grounded in a love that's too big to know, worthy of a call to to be filled with the fullness of God? Am I living that way? And I can't apply that to each of our lives, but that's the question for us to carry is, is, I think when you're considering your New Year's resolutions, when you're just reflecting, as we all do coming into this new year, just think about, is there more for me? Because I believe God is saying it's possible. I, I believe God's not praying that for us without believing we can. Do I want this thing? Will I love Him above everything else? Will I lose my life for His sake, or will I hang on to my life and lose it? That's Jesus' quote. So, I'm hoping I'm giving you guys some food for thought. I wanted to keep it brief, but 
Think about what's possible in your life. Is this, is this going to remain a Bible verse for us that's a big, spacey thought? Or would we dare to press in and ask the question, God, is there something more for me? When I'm looking into this next year, is there something more that I can grow in? Does that make sense? Seeing some nodding heads, that's good. Hoping I make you guys think. I hope you hear the call and the ability that you can, maybe above all else. Not a reminder that you can't, because that's a lie. That's not God. But an ability that you can. I want to pray for us, if that's okay. You can, you're welcome to stand if you'd like, or you can just sit where you are. I just want to pray for us. And Father, I thank you that um, you've given us this amazing calling. I pray that we would take those affirmations to heart. We would put our name in that prayer, that we're called to know a love that's, that's too big to know just intellectually. We're called to be rooted and grounded by your love. You, like literally in our lives today, want to root and ground us in your love. You want to fill us to the fullness of God. You want us to be strengthened according to your power in our inner being. You want to literally dwell in us. I thank you for that, God. I pray that we would each put our name in that calling and we would receive that here today. And I pray, Father, that we would each know that we matter to you, that we wouldn't hear that as some kind of a reminder that we'd need to do more to be accepted by you. Help us to see your acceptance and live from that, not towards it. And I pray that, that would, we would connect that with our mission, Father, that we would see the beauty of being able to experience new life ourselves and also be transformed so that others could see you too, so that others could see that their life is a lot more than just 100 years. They're not an accident either, that they're not just a random product of colliding atoms, <laughs> but they're created intentionally and eternally, and they have a calling in life. They have a reason to be alive, a great reason to be alive. I thank you, Father. I, I, I pray that we would just consider these things and that we would go with a spirit of, of challenge but of hope. And we would think about this new year and, and we would want to live this thing out. We would want to walk in a manner worthy of that love that you have for us. Help us to receive that love and live in a way that's like, yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you for the kids and for all these families in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.